I need you to stop reading your Bible. Now, that might seem a little strange for me to ask you that, especially since we're in this new series called The Bible, and it's all about how to read it. But I have to tell you, there are millions upon millions of people who read their Bibles and go on with life and nothing changes. So you need to just stop reading your Bible. And you need to let your Bible read you. In James 1.22, James, who's likely the brother of Jesus, says, uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When you just read the Bible, when you just look at the words, maybe you're going through a reading plan, maybe it's just what I talk about on a Sunday or another pastor talks about on a Sunday, or you just listen to it once in a while, whatever it might be, maybe it's just that little one line and then you have this huge page of somebody's comments on it, whatever it might be in your devotionals, stop reading your Bible and let the Bible read you. When you let the Bible read you, it speaks into your daily life and it challenges you to live a life that reflects what you read. So while I say stop reading the Bible, I want you to keep engaging it. Spend time in it and let it read you. Let it speak into your situation. Because the other side of that, the side of not engaging with Scripture, not engaging with these traditions that have been passed down from a long time, that connect us with God, and the opposite side of engaging with it is this disengagement and delusion when we don't fully understand what life and our lives are all about. When we choose to disengage from Scripture— the words of God passed through people over time, when we choose to disengage with it, when we choose not to read it, not to listen to it, not to allow it to read us, speak into our lives, we can go about our lives completely disillusioned, disconnected, and devoid of all that God wants for us. I believe that Jesus invites us to have life in all of its fullness, And in order for us to have life in all of its fullness, we need to understand what he's actually talking about. What is this life? What does that look like? How do you have it in its fullness? And you can't do that if you don't engage with Scripture and let it read you. In fact, there's a a fantastic story in your Bibles, in your Old Testament, that talks about what happens when we ignore the Bible, when we ignore Scripture, when we are not reading it, when we're not hearing it, when we're not just, we're just ignoring it. In fact, if you read the book of Judges, and if you're familiar with the book of Judges, it's, it's a story of individuals who were meant to be leaders in the Israelite community who gradually get worse and worse and worse. If you read the book of Judges at two points, it says, in those days, Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. It happens once in 17, verse 6, and once right at the end, 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. And if you read the stories, what they saw fit wasn't good. 
They did a lot of bad things. They hurt people. They hurt themselves. It was chaos. It was bad. It was wrong. But they had no one guiding them. And the result is that when there was no king, there was no one to be uh, giving the instruction on that they need to be continuously engaging with the leaders of the religious community, the priests, and to be engaging with Scripture. And sadly, actually, the fact is that when there was a king in Israel's history, they, they did the same thing. They ignored Scripture. And there's this amazing story that happens in 2 Kings chapter 22 about King Josiah. And it says this in 2 Kings 22. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. So he was king from age 8 to age 39. 39, he's dead. Imagine that. Imagine some of you have an eight-year-old at home. Some of you have someone older than eight years old. Could you imagine them being the ruler, the king of a nation of people? Probably not. Most eight-year-olds we know, even though they might be wonderful, they might be incredibly smart, maybe very compassionate, probably don't have the life skills, the social skills, the emotional intelligence to be a ruler of a nation. Yet, he was eight years old, and he was king. So his mother's name was Jedediah, daughter of Adiah, and she was from Bozaketh. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and followed completely the ways of his father, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So at some point, Josiah had an understanding of what God wanted, and he lived and acted as a king according to that. And we're going to get into that story of it. And they say that he was following the ways of his father David. Everything points to David being the best king Israel had. Even though we know, if you've read the story, he wasn't always a great person. He made many moral failures. He, huge mistakes, gets people killed, actually basically kills them himself to get out of stuff he did wrong. But still, he was someone who was called after God's own heart, and he's looked at as the model, the ideal king, because he pursued God and he repented when he did wrong. Like he admitted his mistakes. Might have taken him a while, but he did. And so it says that he was a king that was after the way of the Lord. He was following the way of David because not every king was. In fact, there was a succession of kings before this who really were not following the way of the Lord. They started to worship idols. They set up places of worship that were very contrary to what God was inviting them to and had this covenant relation to them with. So he was one of the few. It says, In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azalea, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected for the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. 
So he goes to this man, he says, hey, you take care of this because we're going to rebuild the temple. So remember, he was living in the ways of the Lord, so he was doing what was right. So one of the things was that the temple was in disarray. People were not worshiping God, and so everything just was falling apart. So he's getting it rebuilt, re- refurbished, he's fixing it up. And so he says, go give the money, make sure we're paying people right. They're honest people, we know they'll do right. It says, Hilkiah, the high priest, the high priest, so remember that, high priest. So that's like, not the low priest, it's the high priest, not even the middle priest, it's the high priest. Like he's very, very important. He's the person who should be teaching the people the ways of God. So the high priest was responsible for the works of atonement, the sacrifices, so people received forgiveness of sin. They were responsible for the divvying up of those sacrifices to the poor and making sure that God gets his part, the poor gets their part, and they get their part. They had a lot of responsibility, and it really was surrounded around the teachings of Scripture. So this high priest, the, the, one, the top guy, really, really important, says, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. So temple's in disarray. It's falling apart. This high priest goes in and goes, hey, I found the Bible. Can you imagine what it would be like to be the high priest, to be the one who is the religious teacher of the land, who's doing all these things, and you don't know where your sacred texts are? And some point you go in and you go, wow, look, we're fixing things up. It was underneath some boulders, whatever it might be. Wow, look, it's the scriptures. It's the words of God. That is incredibly ridiculous. But the truth is, for 60 years before this point, they had no scriptures. They were lost. Where were they lost? In the temple, the place they should have been. But they had been ignoring it for so long, and it was, they were leading themselves down a path of destruction that they forgot all about it. So this high priest goes in while the, constru- the refurbishment's going on, the reconstruction of everything's going on, and he finds what we would call, like for us, the Bible. They're scriptures. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors of the temple. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. When the king heard the words of Scripture, he tore his robes. King Josiah, age 26, he's been reigning for 18 years. He is restoring the temple. He is walking in the path of David. He's doing right in the eyes of the Lord. Yet, all of a sudden, as they are restoring the temple, they discover their sacred text, the book of the law, the instructions God gave his people about being his people and how to do it. And he hears it for the first time, and he tears his robe. 
The symbolism of tearing his robe is an act of repentance, of a realization of mourning, of grief, of being overwhelmed of how wrong or bad he was. This person who's the leader of a nation thinks he's doing right, but when he hears scripture, he realizes the depth of what he has not been doing. He realizes that as scripture reads him, it speaks into his life that he needs to repent. He needs to turn around and change his way. For 60 years, the people of God had no scripture. Why? Because they lost it in the place they go to worship God. Imagine that. And then along comes this little boy king who is basically growing up as he is being king. He's 26 years old to say, hey, let's restore this temple. Let's get things in order. We know this is the right thing to do. Let's go back to God. And they discover their scripture again for the first time. And it changes their lives. Now, I'd love to say that like after this point, everything is great. All the kings are like, hey, let's worship God and let's do right. Let's, you know, let's take care of the widows and the orphans and the, and, you know, the aliens and the foreigners. Let's take care of all of them. That doesn't happen. In fact, it's, it's an up and down story where sometimes there's a king who does right, sometimes a king who doesn't do right, sometimes a king who does right, sometimes there's 10 kings that don't do right. Like it just keeps going on. But a key moment is when the scripture speaks to them because it's reading into their lives. It's speaking into the moments of who they are and they're allowing it to do that. We too need to find that book of the law. We need to find that scripture again and read it and allow it to read us. So that maybe we do need to, like Josiah, just tear our robe saying, I thought I was doing right, but I'm not. Maybe we need to reread it for the first time with eyes to see what it really needs to say to us about who we are, the world we live in, and how we live in it. Many people all over the world are reading the Bible, but they are hearers of the word and not doers. They deceive themselves. When you allow scripture to speak into your life, you become a doer of scripture and it can change everything. When we ignore the Bible, when we ignore scripture, we lose the foundation to build our lives upon. We lose the foundation that that life in its fullness that Jesus offers us should be built upon. Because if we all just do as we see fit, because there is no king, there is no leader, we are lost. We are like this nation of Israel who over and over again has a relationship with God, ignores a relationship with God, goes downhill, goes, wow, we need to fix things. We have these scriptures, the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the story of God, this big story of God that has a continuous unity and theme pointing to the person of Jesus and what it means to follow him, to show us how to follow him. In fact, in scripture, we can learn about God's character. In Hebrews 
chapter 1, just at the beginning, it says this in verse 1. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. So in the past, the prophets of the Old Testament, they are the ones who God spoke through. We, we get that. It says, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the exact is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. We under, get to know who God is through God's words, through Scripture. We get to see and be pointed to who Jesus is and the significance of Jesus in our lives when we embrace him and the words that point to him. When we allow these words to read us, they speak into our moments, our moments of doubt, our moments of fear, our moments of anger, our moments of selfishness, our moments of jealousy, our moments of, of goodness and, and, and joy and, and all these things, all the moments. It speaks into those moments and reveals truth. When we engage Scripture and allow it to read us, we change. In fact, Paul in Ephesians says that, that follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are to follow God's example to live like Christ. And you can't do that if you don't know how he lived. And that's why we have scripture. It points us to who Jesus is, how he lived, and the difference that makes. And so when we desire to follow him, to be more and more like him, and we do that, we are doing that because we have engaged with the scriptures. We've allowed it to read us, and we see who Jesus is, and we see who we are, and we go, is that, is that what I'm doing? Am I walking in the way of love? That is what Scripture does when you allow it to read you. It speaks into your moments. In fact, Paul, again, he tells Timothy that in Scripture, you gain the knowledge and wisdom of salvation. That He says to Timothy that in his infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he says to Timothy, who's a younger man, he mentors, he, he guides in life. He says, you've been, since an infant, you've been told scripture, you've been hearing the stories, you've been, you've been living a life that reflects this, and, and you have knowledge and wisdom for salvation. You know, you know what you believe because it's through scripture. And also, he goes on to say, well, not only that, but also it prepares you for what comes your way in life. It prepares you for all things because Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. Some translations will say inspired, God-inspired. But it means that it is, it is the essence of God's instruction is in Scripture. And when Paul was writing this, he wasn't necessarily referring to his own letter, but through church tradition and through our understanding— that this was passed on to many communities and it was what guided Timothy and other religious leaders at that time that it too follows in the category of Scripture. It says that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, 
and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is useful, okay? All scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that you are ready for what life comes your way. When we allow ourselves to engage with scripture and we allow it to read us, to speak into our realities, into who we believe we are or who we know we ourselves to be, when we engage it not just to read words on a page or to hear words out loud spoken, but when we engage it and we allow it to read us, we are prepared for all that comes our way. I don't want you to read your Bible but I want you to let your Bible read you. So many of us want to speak with God. So many of us have questions that we say, God, just answer me. But so many of us don't take the time to allow the words he's already spoken speak to us. I want you to let Scripture, the Bible, the words of God through time recorded by people to speak into your life, to read you so that when you allow it to read you, you can know. You can know who you are. You can know what God is inviting you to and you can know how to live. So many people are just reading the Bible and that's a complete waste of time if you don't let the Bible read you. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you that you are the God of Scripture, that it is your story, it is your unfolding story through history, and you invite us to read it, to hear it, but more importantly, to read us, to speak into our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that we allow these words that have been inspired so long ago to read us, to speak into our lives, and to challenge us to be more and more who you've made us to be. So that we can follow in the ways of Christ and we can live lives that reflect the goodness of God to all people around us. Because God, that is your promise, that we are meant to be a blessing to all people because we are blessed by knowing you. And when we allow these words you inspired long ago that you breathed into life, we allow them to read us. We are changed forever because it points us to the truth. The truth that Jesus, you died and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could experience life in its fullness and we could be made whole. And when we allow these words to read us, we can be made whole. And I pray we all experience that. In Jesus' name, amen.